Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are super excited to be streaming our midweek podcast from beautiful Whistler, British Columbia. Uh, we are going to be hanging out in Whistler for the next few days, hitting the bike park and doing a lot of fun things in Whistler. It's one of our, our favorite places. So um, we haven't been since 2019 because... Uh, um, they, if you remember, Canada was really strict on violating people's personal medical freedom, and we decided that we chose our our liberty over pleasure. So um, we have not been um, since 2019. However, they have released those those regulations, so we are back and really, really enjoying Whistler. And speaking of being back, Joel Evan is back on our podcast. He's going to be discussing the journey to elite husband and dad. And as you know, um, healthy families start with that. So, um, Joel, welcome to our show. Hey, great to be back, guys. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your backstory. You've been on our podcast before. Um, you're a podcaster, you're an author, um, you're just an all around great guy. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about your backstory and, and, and how you winded up doing this. Yeah. I mean, and it all starts with freedom, like you just uh, mentioned. So, you know, my backstory was I was a first responder, a police officer in Oakland and in San Francisco, uh, California. And, uh, they, you know, in 2021, they wanted to restrict my freedom and block my, uh, ability to live and move as a police officer. And, uh, they wanted to inject me with an experimental product and they totally violated my rights and my uh, religious freedoms and anything. If anybody knows any about title seven, it was an egregious violation. And, uh, I was one of maybe 70 that said, uh, we're not going to do this. And uh, if you want to fire us, go for it. And so I did that. And I, I got to be honest, didn't think they were going to fire me because I got you know when you look at the rules and regulations and the laws, it's pretty clear. Like, um, yeah. you can't fire me. So I knew I knew it was just like cockamamie. I'm like, come on, guys, this is ridiculous. Uh, you'll bring me back. You'll realize this is a big mistake. You'll bring me back in about a month. Well, guess what? They didn't. It's been uh, almost two years, and uh, luckily in the background, I had been building my resume, if you will, you know, with uh, health coaching, life coaching, because I knew eventually one day I was going to get out of police work. Because I just felt like I was being hamstrung anyways as, as a police officer. And I really couldn't do what I wanted to do. And that was help people in a bigger way. And I knew I wasn't making the impact that I wanted to. But I really felt like I could do that in the natural health world. And so about three years ago, that led me to launch my podcast and doing some cool things there as well as start health coaching. And so when I lost my job, I just went all into health coaching, launched my business, uh, came out with my book, Ignite, as I think we were talking about that back in May. And that went bestseller in seven categories. So I'm super excited, super blessed. And now, um, you know, I'm, I'm taking even a, a more of a turn back into first responder work because I will tell you, and I'm sure we'll talk about it today. All this is great. I, I I talk about on your podcast. You know, if you don't have health as one of your number one values, you you don't have many wishes. And a healthy person has as many as they want. They can, <laughs> and we saw that with a lot of people like Steve Jobs, who lost his life to cancer. He had billions and billions of dollars, but he wasn't healthy and he died of cancer, and that's tragic. But also, I will tell you this: as a go getter that I am, and many of us are like that, driven entrepreneurial. Uh, I, my family took a back seat and they were not a high priority and I, I suffered and my family life suffered, my marriage suffered. And so I really see a huge need for first responder men, men in general, by the way. And I've done a lot of deep work, uh, myself in the last couple of years and my marriage has completely transformed. And so that's some of the work that I'm starting to embark on right now. I love it. Janet, what questions do you have for Joel? 
Okay, Joel, what was the aha moment in the marriage and the kids? What what brought you to the realization, you know, I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to turn this around? Uh, my wife said I want a divorce. Ooh, <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, uh, um, and actually, I'll take that back. Um, my wife and I, we've been together for about 11 years. And so my wife, I, I joke around now, I joke around that my wife's probably uh, been like, should we get a divorce? Do we need to get a divorce? Is that, what do you think? How is it? You know, so that I would say about a year ago, uh, the conversation of divorce didn't come up, but the conversation, but it has come up many times. Okay. Um, what I would say is what happened maybe about a year ago was, like, what are you, what are you going to do, Joel? Like you are the problem. You're, you're the problem. Like for why this family is not operating a hundred percent and why this marriage is. And I was like, can I cuss? <laughs> can I say, be? I, I said, okay. I said, bullshit. Like, it's not my fault. Uh, look at all the things I'm doing. You know, I mean, I'm a life coach for crying out loud. I don't say that in an egotistical way. I'm only saying in the sense that I'm sure a lot of guys feel this way. Like, what are you talking about? I'm doing everything. I'm a, I'm growth minded. I read all the books. I got all the books about parenting and I'm reading them all. What are you talking about? It clearly cannot be my fault. Like it's your fault or even the kids that are not behaving correctly. That's the problem. And, uh, she's like, no, definitely. Uh, you got to uh, look in the mirror again. And I'm like, I've done it many times. There's nothing else left to do. And she's like, well, you know, you should get around a men's group and there's some guys doing some fabulous things. I've, I hear them talking about, why don't you join one? I was like, okay, I'll join it just to make you happy and to prove to you that I am perfect and you're, and I am not the problem. And, uh, guess what? Lo and behold, I found out I was the problem and I was not leading, uh, correctly and I was not serving my family to the fullest. And so I think the more I started to dive deep into that and get into more men's work and a, and a brotherhood, I started to realize, oh, Okay, so so there was more room for me to grow, and I was missing that. So that was the aha. Well, thanks for your honesty, and thanks for your humility, too. Um, I think one of the things that gets some of us men in trouble the most, and maybe just humans in general, but is pride. And we don't ever want to admit that it could be our fault. So, um, you know, releasing that and being humble is, is a big step. Um, so tell us how your how this has changed your life coaching business. Yeah, I, I'm taking a. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll still do my health coaching. It's because I just love that. I mean, I just enrolled in a new program to learn how to help people with anti aging and longevity, and and focus on that kind of aspects of health. So I still love it. I, I won't I won't quit with that because it's important. You know that too. I mean, I I see all the photos of you guys just ripping and rolling down skiing and, and biking and all this cool stuff. So you know how important health is. So and so that'll never stop. And and that's a key aspect of of too, I think, of being an elite dad and husband, honestly, is your health. I mean, I was just talking to a dad the other day. We we're on a camping trip. And uh, it blew my mind. I had no idea. We we're just casually talking. And 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 if you go camping, Sean what do you usually eat when you go camping? Like what's the typical meals that people are eating on a camping trip? Well, for dinner, for dinner, for dinner. Yeah. I'm going to speak for ourselves because that's all I know. Um, but we pretty much eat the same thing. Yeah, we do. We eat the same thing (laughs) we do at home. We just cook it different. We'll cook it in a Dutch oven. We'll cook it over a fire. Um, you know, we'll, we'll grill, we'll grill a lot. So we grill meat, whether it be hamburgers. Okay. You nailed it. 
You nailed it. So grilling, like that's what you do, right? Yeah. We, okay. So we yeah, right, so we grilled right. steaks, we grilled hamburgers, we those right. hot dogs one night, some carne asada, all that good stuff. And so now like the trip is on its way out and we're ending, and I'm just talking to this dad, and he's like, Oh yeah, like I, I have gout. And I was like, Oh my what? <laughs> and it, he didn't mention it like in a bad way, but I was just thinking, like, you know, not to, and you know me, I'm a big fan of meat as well as you are, uh, but I was thinking Maybe maybe the amount you had for someone with gout, you know, maybe you want to settle that first before. But it just blew my mind. He was just so comfortable having gout, and it kind of bothered me afterwards. I was like, dude, like you're the leader for your family. Like it, they depend right. on you. You have three beautiful kids. Like you can't just smile and be like, yeah, I have gout. Like it's no like you gotta handle that, man. Like more inflammation, you know. Who knows what's going to help from the happen from gout? I mean, more metabolic issues. And we saw last year, or the latest study came out, six point eight percent of the the world is metabolically uh, uh, fit, which what means like ninety. Oh, okay. Six point eight percent. So ninety. Yes. Yeah, in the U in the U.S. So ninety four percent of us are not, which is tragic. So yeah. that's going to lead to a whole bunch of issues for this guy. And I just think, how are you going to be the leader of your family? By the way, he's a great dad. Like he provides for them. He does all these things. Um, and I think he's, a, he's fabulous, but I just thought, man, what a tragedy. If this guy were to go out early in life or just not be there enough, or I hear from a lot of dads too, oh, I'm just tired. I don't have energy to play with the kids. Like that's a freaking tragedy tragedy. So, um, that's so like, again, I won't stop with health. But yeah, my my coaching it's been I've been focusing more on and doing the men's work. So I'm really excited about that. Like I said, working with first responder men just because I know that that community better than anyone really. I mean, having done it for almost 15 years as a police officer, I know the struggles, the shift work, and constantly right. one of the biggest things I hear from men in that arena is how do I manage this work-life balance? Like, how do I do it? Like I'm getting pulled with shift, shift work and overtime. There's low staffing right now across the United States for police officers. And so how do I do this and maintain this healthy relationship? It's the number one thing I hear from men. Yeah. We were just watching a program last night. And of course we thought of you, um, I don't remember what they, what, what department they were from, what city they were from, but they were having huge staffing issues, staffing issues on their police force. And then they showed some video from San Francisco about basically the looting that goes on because there's just, they don't do anything about it. It's a very sad situation. So I want to go back a little bit and just ask, how did it work out for San Francisco after they laid all these police officers off like yourself? How's that going for them? Not well. And, you know, I've been on Fox News pretty regularly now and talking about those issues and trying to bring light to it. I am always, listen, I'm, people will dog me and say, yeah, you're just reporting the bad things about San Francisco. And I go, hey, listen, let's be realistic here. Okay. Yes, San Francisco is still a beautiful city. There's, there's amazing things about it, just like in all cities. But don't kid yourself and tell me that what's happening there is not as bad. Because I can tell you for a fact that when I go to a city just across the bay or just a city south, there's a city called Daly City, just south of San Francisco. When I go to that city, I don't see cops standing at a Walgreens guarding it, guarding the target. No one's working overtime to protect some of these measly stores. I mean, it's ridiculous. And my mom lives an hour away. I don't see cops standing at a Raley's or a Safeway or anything guarding the food aisle I see that in San Francisco. So the people that are like, no, that's not, they're just hype. That's hyperbole, Joel. They're, no, it's not. It's happening. And I can tell you, 
It's happening so frequently, even the quote unquote liberals, and I don't use that in a negative way, but that was just how they would, you know, and I've talked to them and they're like, listen, Joel, I'm liberal as heck, but uh, I mean, let me tell you this as a, he's a, these guys are business owners. So liberal or not, they are compassionate, but they're like, something's got to change. Like my business, it's safety. You know, this guy is a business owner and gets stabbed with a knife for just recording some guy breaking into a car, not even his car. And he's far away. The, the guy saw him and confronted him and stabbed him. I mean, this is crazy. I was just in San Francisco three for three, a couple weeks ago, visiting family. And, uh, coming back off the Embarcadero and I on viewed a, uh, an auto burglary. So I, I actually witnessed, meaning I witnessed one take place from a crew. And then right just before that, I am looking at a Canadian couple cause I was walking back to my car and a Canadian couple is like, Oh, our car just got broken into. So yeah, <laughs> don't make a, don't, there's no mistake about it. Uh, they have some trying times and their staffing's at the lowest. They can't hire anybody. The latest Academy they filled had about, uh, 30 people, but then that same month, 44 people retired. So <laughs> you got to remember out of those 30, maybe 50% of them will make it. So you're looking at 15 and that takes nine months to graduate a recruit. So they're in a lot world of hurt and, um, you know, they're gonna have to turn wow. some things around. So let's go back to your friend on gout and, and, uh, focus on gout just a little bit. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So you mentioned meat and I know, we learn, and I think what you're alluding to is that eating meat can cause gout, correct? We were well, taught that in farm school that eating too much red meat can cause gout. Yeah, you know, and I was, what I was really, and I didn't, I was being very broad. I was a very okay. broad uh, brush I'm, I'm poking. And, I, and I'm really thinking about, you know, uric, uric acid, the production of uric acid. And, you know, I know there's three ways that uric acid can be produced at, at high amounts. One would be fructose. One would be purines, which you can see from a lot of like red meat, even sardines, by the way. And so that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, go ahead, please. Let's, let's chat about this. Well, There's some new studies, I think, talking about uric acid, by the way. So, and I, and I haven't got a chance to read it. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just rethinking a lot of stuff that I've learned before. And honestly, I'm, I'm not even trying to be very scientific about it. I'm just trying to be rational about it. Um, and, you know, the fact that, you know, we learned that eating red meat or, you know, could cause gout. I just think about that. Um, I just think how that just doesn't seem really rational. Um, but here's the question I would always ask first. And cause I know people that have, that have gout and sometimes they're willing to give up some of those things. One of the things they're not willing to give up is alcohol. Uh, and, very right? good. So one yeah. of the things I always ask is like, well, are they drinking alcohol? Okay, was it the red meat or was it the alcohol? Well, I don't want to give up my beer. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I mean, so that that's the question I always ask when it comes to gout now. Well, you know, it's the same thing with salt, right? It's like we've demonized salt to be the worst thing because it helps with blood pressure. I mean, that is like the most ridiculous thing I think a Western doc can prescribe. You you tell this person not to eat salt, but you're totally okay with them eating white bread that is processed, that has a ton of like sodium chloride. I mean, salt is actually beneficial to us. Now, right. the processed food that you're eating, yeah, that's not beneficial. I, I'm, I'm sure right. there's even people on the carnivore diet that have – that maybe let's say had gout but are doing wonderful because – just by going on carnivore and removing processed food and exactly. sugar, they, 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 even, even though maybe their quote unquote, uh, uric acid levels were, let's just say they were high. If that was the measurement we're using everything else, they were doing everything else so well, it didn't matter. 
Right. And that's my rational thought is I just, you know, I mean, traditionally when you see seen what we've eaten for generations and generations, we've eaten a lot of red meat and it wasn't until the last 70 years it's been vilified. Um, and we've, and we've eaten processed foods and, and we have all these diseases coming out. So I'm just not buying that gout is caused by eating red meat. I just, I just highly doubt that. Um, but you're right. It's the processed food thing. That's, that's really what it is. Well, you know, let's, let's remember it's the combination of anything that's causing inflammation and, in America, it's the food per se, but it could also be not sleeping. Then we make poor choices, you know, all that combined. You know, I think the root cause of a lot of diseases in our country is the inflammation part. And if you're not addressing that, then it's still going to be there. But Joel touched on something that, that just really triggered me. And, you know, there's so many people out there in the United States that they identify this disease as who they are mm. rather than getting rid of it, taking it head on. Like, Hey, I'm not living with this. I'm moving on. This is not a part of who I am and what I'm going to deal with. And that leadership thing, I think for fathers is a big step because, you know, if we take charge of our own life and give that um, example to our children and wife, then that whole household is going to change and shift and, and to make healthier decisions for themselves. Yeah, it's such a great point. I was just on a podcast the other day and we were talking about, well, how do these things called habits, how do they stick? How, how do they stick? And I said, well, they don't stick until it becomes your identity. It just becomes a part of who you are. And so, you know, and I, and the, the example I love to give is if I were to ask you guys, Hey, Hey, Sean, Janet, you, you guys, would you like a cigarette? Your response would be, no, thanks, Joel. Um, I don't smoke. That'd be your response. Thank, <laughs> thank you, but thank you, but I just I just don't even do that. Right now, imagine a person who just is in the process of quitting smoking. Their response most likely would be, "Oh no, no, thanks. Uh, I'm actually I just started. I just I just quit, and I'm working on not doing that anymore." You see the difference. The difference is in identity. One identity is like that's not even. I wouldn't even consider that. Like thanks, but right. no thanks. The other one is like I'm working. I'm trying. Right. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying there's a little nuance there. And I tell people the same thing. Like I couldn't imagine going a day, not working out. It's not, and I don't even work out a lot. I do like 10 to 20 minute workouts every day, but I'm just consistent about it. And so it's the same thing, uh, Janet, you're talking about even with your marriage. I even asked my wife, I said, what do you think that one of the biggest problems you see in just first responders and marriage and based on our marriage? And she said, identity, that was exactly what she told me. She said identity because the identity of like, I am a cop. This is what I do. Therefore, this is how I act. And this is how I need to provide. And I remember when I was first a police officer at 25 and I was in Oakland, um, I, I thought I was the baddest man on the planet. You know, I thought like if, if I went into a party or a room or just, Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an Oakland police officer. <gasps> Everyone would gasp and be like, wow, like tell me more. Is it dangerous? I'm like, yeah, yeah, actually it is. And, uh, it was always fun and, and exciting to talk about. And I kind of wore that as a badge of honor even if I wasn't getting sleep, even if I wasn't spending time with my family and kids, oh, I got called in again today. Cool. But like secretly I'm like, yeah, like that's, that's cool. Cause I'm, I'm an Oakland cop, you know, top five dead, you know, city in the world for like in the nation for crime and, and danger and violence. So I thought it was pretty cool, but that identity, like you said, that can really strip you from being able to see, uh, 
in a more global aspect of like what's going, what else is going on? Because you're so narrow focus on this is who I am. Therefore, this is who I need to be. So that brings up a good point. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay, Joel. Of course. So and Sean, I, I wouldn't I, come yeah, on yeah. your podcast to not I, be asked tough questions. So let's go. Right. And, and you know, one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is that I get to learn things, um, you know, from, from our guests. And I, and I, and I love that part of it. And I get to learn things about myself. And you just brought up a good question. If somebody asks me, um, well, what do you do? I mean, my first response is, well, I'm a pharmacist, right? Right? A compound pharmacist. Yeah, exa- exactly. Even more detailed than that. That's Even usually more, what I yeah. say. Come on. Well, I'm a, I'm a specialty compounding pharmacist. Yes. When in reality, we should say, uh, you know what? I'm a, I'm a husband to my wife and a father to my children. Even though my kids are grown, maybe that's the first thing we should answer with. Because really, honestly, the reason I was able to be a husband and a father is because I was a pharmacist to support being a husband and father. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe next time, I, maybe I should make it a habit when somebody asks me that question, I'm going to have to really think about it. Say, well, I'm a, I'm a husband and a father. That'd be a good answer. <laughs> It'll be interesting too, though. Are your conversations more interesting because of that? I mean, you know, I think some people would think, ah, no one's going to respect that, right? Like that—that that would be kind of like, oh, that's it. That's all you do. You, do you know what I mean? Like that's. I think. I think that would be the. That's probably why people don't actually do that. Yeah, but you know what? I'll bet you. In some reality, I bet you people are wanting people to say that. I mean, I will say this: Janet's mother. Um, um, she is she is still alive this day. Her health isn't great, um, but um, she was a, a nurse for I don't know thirty years something. Mm-hmm. She was a nurse for thirty years. She never when when she would be asked what she did for a living, she would say a housewife, and she was not embarrassed of that, and she shouldn't have been. Totally, you know. My I mom, mean, and, my- and that, that's really cool. That was her identity. Even though she supported the family for a while because her because Janet's dad was sick, she was a primary income um, in in the family, and yet she was she called herself a housewife. Well, yeah. you know, one of the things that I, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Joel, but one of the things no. that I think that is very interesting to me is that I think, and, and I'm going to put Hollywood on the spot with this because. I never heard growing up, and my father started his family late. Um, I never heard this was his work for a man, and this was her work for a woman. I always heard it was a team effort, right? And that meant whether my dad did the dishes or cooked or did laundry or participated, it was a team effort. So I feel like maybe this has kind of been pushed on us a little bit in our generation to say, you know, I'm a cop or a police officer or I'm a pharmacist. Like that identity thing has shifted. It, it has completely shifted. And here, here's the paradigm shift too, is back in the day, let's just go back probably to the early 1950s. I mean, that's just kind of the time frame I'm thinking. It was okay. Uh, the It was different, right? Men went to work, women stayed home and took care of the kids. That was just like kind of accepted that was the culture that was the state of the union right and your job as a father then was to go out make money provide and the way i think about it is your job was to go out kill and conquer right come back and provide and that was okay like you're a great husband thank you that's not the same anymore if you're going out and killing and conquering and you think like that's just good enough sorry i'm here to tell you 
you're wrong. Women have way more rights now, and it's a good thing. Women have way more rights. They're empowered. They can go out and make just as much money as you. I mean, maybe, and I'm some, some women be like, no, that's not true. Listen, I'm not, I know what you're talking about, but let's not get into little details. But yeah, I mean, you can go out. You know what I'm talking about. You can go out. You can provide for yourself. And these women are out, and they're kicking butt, and they're taking care of the family. They're doing it all. So to just think like it's good enough as a guy to go out and just make good money and provide – Sorry, here to tell you that is not uh, that's not the metric. And women and their families, kids especially, they need more than more so than ever. They need to feel that you are connected to them and that you're present and that you see them. Absolutely, I'm going to stream this uh, comment, uh, Kelly Young. She is uh, one of our loyal listeners and viewers. Uh, thank you, Kelly, for your comment. I am so in alignment with you guys. And of course, Joel, you, you did comment on that. And I really appreciate that. We like to um, stream all the comments that we get when we, when we have uh, listeners and viewers comment. So, you know, you, you really hit on something, Joel, and, and kind of just kind of piggyback on what Janet was saying is that, you know, women and men can pretty much make the same amount of money. And you're right. And we want to get into that discussion on this podcast. Um, but that's why it has to be a team effort and a team effort to raise a family and, and, you know, what, what, what is a husband's role? What is a, a, a wife's role? Um, and I think you have to uh, designate that and talk about that as a husband and wife. Yeah. And one of the things I would tell men is just like one of my big aha moments going back to the aha moment was, and I look at it now and it was like, Joel, like you were completely selfish not to do that actually. Like it's ridiculous you didn't come to that sooner. It is what it is. It took me. Uh, it took me longer. But taking a hundred percent responsibility for your family. You are the dad. You are the leader. I don't care what your wife is doing, how she's acting. I don't care how your kids are acting. Take ownership and lead from the front. There's a great quote by the Navy SEAL Jocko Willink, who a lot of people know, and he's got a couple of books out there, Extreme Ownership, and a lot of people know him. And I love it. In one of his books, he says, "There are no bad teams. There's just bad leaders." And that hits that hits home. And what he's saying there too is if a mission were to fail out in the Navy SEALs, if they were to actually fail and something didn't go right, he can't go as a leader and be like, hey, why didn't you turn left? Why didn't you do that? I told you to do that. Actually, he needs to step up and go, what did I not explain correctly to you? Like, how did you make that error? I, th I thought we we're on the same page. And then he can get some feedback from that operator who's going to say, oh, I didn't know. We didn't practice enough time. We didn't do this. Ah, okay. So we need more reps. Gotcha. That's a leader. That's a leader who's taking ownership and getting that valuable feedback and showing up. Most people won't do that. They're going to be, ah, my team sucks. It's their fault. It's not my fault. That's what I was doing. Well, I think sometimes in our society now, we, we don't, we don't, we don't promote men being accountable and, and being held responsible for a lot of things. Um, well, I mean, let's look, for example, um, you know, I mean, the children out of wedlock, for instance, I mean, 70 years ago, that used to never happen. If, if, if a woman got pregnant, a man would marry her. Um, mm -hmm. But now we've got the government playing patriarch and saying, oh, well, you don't have to, you don't, we can support you. You don't, you don't need to have a, a husband or a father in, in the picture. We can, we can support this kid. So we'll just give you money and you don't have to marry anybody. And, and that's part of the problem is then we don't have men stepping up and being responsible and being held accountable. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and there you go. There's there's paths. There's so many things to look at. I mean, we're typically what you just brought up is we're being trapped by a lot of our old beliefs, a belief system that is just old and is outdated. And it usually comes from childhood. And, and one of the ways that can happen is from things, entities like the media, the government, and creating this culture that, oh, it's okay. And, you know, and I think about, always think about habits and how do we form better habits. And James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, he talks about like one of the fastest ways you can create a habit is by really just looking at your environment. He's like, if the, you know, there's lots of things you could do, but if you were to do one thing, like look at your environment. And I think that's what you're speaking to is if the environment is breeding this habit, then of course it's going to continue. Right. And it's the same thing for me. If I am in an environment that breeds working out, I surround myself with people who work out or I put a gym in my home office, like I'm creating an environment that incentivizes me to work out. Then there's the flip side, creating an environment where you put, you know, bad food in your, in your, uh, refrigerator right. where the gym is, uh, you know, 45 minutes away. Like it's going to be really hard for you to stick to some good habits. So yeah, yeah. Put yourself. I was thinking about the food one, you know, one of the ways, cause I, I, I love junk food. And, it, and if it's in front of me, it's very hard for me to turn it away. And once I start eating it, I can eat a whole bag of chips, a whole bag of cookies. So the way we create that good habit at home is we just don't buy it. Because I guarantee you, as, 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 as much willpower as I think I have, at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, you know, getting ready to go to bed, I'm like, oh, I need some kind of snack. Well, instead of eating an apple or instead of eating, you know, Greek yogurt, if there was junk food there, I'd probably eat it. So Janet just doesn't buy it. <laughs> That's the simplest thing. Same, same with us. If it's there, I'll eat it too. I mean, there's no willpower in the world. People think, oh, Joe, you know, you don't have any fun or anything. Like, no, I, I actually have probably a piece of dark chocolate every night. So I, I have my little vices, but um, they're they're so minute that I'm enjoying myself and I'm not I'm not doing anything you know crazy. I'm not splurging. I'm not overdoing anything. I'm in balance. Well, one of the things that. Sean and I talk about with this balance thing is really, if you think about like the balance of it, you probably are going to eat more chocolate than most people over your lifetime. It's just how and when, and you get to enjoy it versus just inhaling it. But getting back to being a father, you know, one of the things that Joel, that my dad did that I, to this day reflect back, he was very intentional about spending just some time with us individually. So, so do you do that with your kids or how does that work out with that? Share with us a little bit, because I think that is something that's impacted me throughout my whole entire life. So I want to hear what you do. I love that you shared that. That That's so cool. That that's something that you still remember about your, your dad. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So one of the things I do is it's just part of my habit stack. So every day I make sure that I spend one-on-one -on -one time with my kids I have two boys. And so I make sure I spend time with them for 10 minutes a day, just with them, whatever they do. Now, most people are saying 10 minutes, that's nothing. Okay. Listen, I spend way more time that, but I'm telling you, I, my, my habit is to at least be only with that individual kid for 10 minutes. And I call it special time. And I didn't invent this. Uh, actually, I got it from a, a coach that I work with Tasha Shore. And uh, what special time is, it's a time where they get to choose whatever activity they want. And it's just 10 minutes, you and me, whatever. You want us to play the most goofy, a game that I can't stand to play. I'm going to happily play that game and we're going to go do it. So that is what, that's what I make sure I do every single day that they each get their own individual 10 minutes. And then usually collectively we're playing, I mean, probably two hours a day as a, as a family, just 
you know, all together. So that's the way to do it. And, and again, I think most guys would say 10 minutes is nothing. You would be so surprised at how powerful 10 minutes can be because it's just that one-on-one time and it starts to compound and build over time, just like any habit or anything. If you look at an investment in your bank account, you're putting that investment into that account and it's going to grow over time. You may not notice it the first time or the first week or the, but look at you, you still remember that after all these years. I mean, how cool is that, 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 that memory is still there. Like my dad was there for me. Like I felt connected and, and alive to him. So that's what I do. And, um, it's, it's transformational. And then I also make sure that every week I take each family member out on a date. So, um, each boy and then my wife. So it just rotates. So we plan a special day. Usually it's like an hour at least of time, kind of the same thing, like whatever you want to do. And, um, we make sure that we, we hit that. So that's what we do. Well, let me tell you, I, we have two boys too, and they're 23 and 21. And I would, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but we, we, we homeschooled our kids, uh, through junior high. So I would try to spend one-on-one time with them as much as I could. And I didn't spend a lot of one-on-one time with them. It was usually two-on-one because they were always almost together because they're just, they're close brothers or close in age. And, um, but it's it, same it, for it, me, it, by the way, sometimes days, it's not perfect. And sometimes that's what happens, you know? Right. Right. And, and, you know, there would be certain times where they did be by themselves, but I will say it's really, it's really cool to see how they've grown up to be great young men. And some of the questions that they will ask me and they won't, and they, they still communicate more with Janet and I think that's just the way it is. But the questions that they will ask me or talk to me about that they don't really talk to her about. Um, and it just, it makes me proud. It makes me, you know, realize that those times I spent chatting with him, um, and a lot of the, the subjects are, a few of the subjects are, are working out. You know, they 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 ask me about training and working out, and they ask me about cars. You know, of course, <laughs> you know if they're having car problems. Well, they'll actually usually, if they're having major car problems, they'll text Janet, and then. Then they'll start texting me, <laughs> and then Janet will have me start texting them. <laughs> I want to go to mom first. I don't want to tell dad just yet. Right, right, yeah. exactly, right. Yeah. And then you speak of investing too. We we taught our kids early about saving money, and and the importance of saving money. And you know they'll they'll ask me questions about that, and that just makes me feel really really good. So those one on one times when your kids and and they're never too young to do that. You know, and and Jan and I treated our kids. We we never talked down to our kids, even from the when they were you know three, four, five years old. We just talked to them like they were adults, you know, and um, didn't dummy stuff down. And um, it's just nice to see that 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 paid off. Yeah, and I think the key thing you're 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 mentioning is that you created this trust, right? You created this trust with them, and that's been a big thing for me. Is I've had to rebuild the trust. And again, it wasn't like I was beating my kids or, you know, cheating on my wife. None of that. It's just that I wasn't present with them when I was with them. I was thinking about being on Sean Needham's podcast and posting on TikTok and, oh my God, I got to do all these things. You know, I just got fired. I got to start a new business. I got all these things on my mind. And so I just wasn't present, man. And, um, when you're, when you're not, when you, so even if I'm spending hours with them and you're not present, it's. It's the equivalent of basically spending no time. And they know it. My kid, if I'm on my phone, he tells me, get off your stupid phone, dad. Get off your stupid phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. so they, they know. And um, 
yeah, sometimes guys have to rebuild that trust. And I would just say it's going to, it might be a long game you're going to have to play and just be willing to play it because you screwed up and you got here and you screwed up having that relationship where they still trust you today and they have that open relationship. Like that's amazing. Like you earned that. And so that's really cool. So Joel, as we wind this podcast up, tell us what you have a passion for. Um, I mean, other than, (laughs) other than health, um, like I said, I think right now I'm in the process of launching this new program should be around September 1st for first responder men. I've just really been lit up by this and it just opened up a lot of, um, kind of more light bulbs, aha moments, more introspection to who I am, uh, as, and how I'm showing up as a leader, as a dad. And yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my passion, man. And then, you know, I feel like as a coach and you know, this coaches, they just want to help people. I, I interview a lot of coaches and I'm around a lot of, it's just so interesting to see like some coaches, including myself, we're so hell bent on helping people. We just like, it's like something that lights us up. And, um, a lot of times we'll even do it for free. Like there's just, and I, and I talked to a lot of, like I said, of coaches on my podcast and, so I just love helping people, man. If there's something I can do, especially in this world, I feel even more um, determined to help people because the last two to three years, there's been a lot of censorship mm-hmm. in the natural health world. And I don't stand for that. <laughs> I don't stand for it at all. And um, I'm happy that I was able to kind of make a, a, a footprint with my own story about uh, not backing that experimental product because a lot of people, and I'll say this, a lot of the so-called quote unquote toughest people, you know, the SWAT team members or whatever at SFPD and all around the world, they backed down and, uh, they dropped their sword because they caved into something that was easier. And, uh, I just, this, that moment is really kind of now that I've had some time to reflect on it has really just stuck into me. And, and it just makes me realize, man, you got to be aligned with your truth. People need to understand what is your truth? What do you stand for? And what hill are you going to die on? And most people don't even know what that is. And so I would strongly urge people to uh, do that, do that introspection because when's the next pandemic or when's the next just catastrophe in your life going to show up and how are you going to show up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did the right thing, Joel. And thank you for that and being inspirational to others. So what is the best way to get a hold of you if people have any questions? Look at that stud yeah. right there. Hey, hey, look at that. I didn't do that. My brother did all that. He's my videographer, uh, website guy. Yeah, go to joelevancoaching.com. You can shoot me an email, info at joelevancoaching. I'm on Instagram. I'm pretty active there, at joelevancoaching. That's a great way to just connect with me. It's really me. I'll respond to your DMs as long as you're not creepy and asking me to, uh, you're going to sell me some new sales hack funnel or something because I'm getting a lot of those, which is annoying. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not that, and yeah, I'm happy to answer questions and you, you can see, I love to do this stuff. So awesome. Well, Joel, as always, it was a pleasure having you on today. We, we, you help us realize our goal of this podcast, which is to um, educate and empower consumers to take charge of their own health. So um, thank you so much for being on. Always a pleasure. Thanks guys. Thanks. And listeners, viewers, thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Monday, our regularly scheduled podcast, 1230 to 130 Pacific Standard Time. We'll see you all later. Bye.